This is the Ezra podcast. And let's talk about serial gain, which I, I told you, I broke it down to you that after this fight, the hype would begin. The potential of him Nagano and what that would look like would begin. And that's where we're at. And I told you exactly that this fight was going to be one sided. I told you that it was going to be Lewis just with no answer, no solution on landing the big right hand. And once he took that away, then he'd just be helpless in there. And he was. The part that I didn't expect was. Uh, gone, and I call him Gain the whole damn time. And the thing that pissed me off is I know that his name is Serial Gone, and I don't know why I got Gain. And sometimes when you get this podcast and you're thinking, you're trying to think of your next word all the time, and you just start forgetting how to pronounce stuff. Like I said, Pedro Munoz. I still can't do it. Pedro Munoz, Munoz, Pedro Munoz or Munoz. See, who the hell knows? It's like I do this podcast, and then I just realize how wide I am for being Mexican, and how I can't pronounce, and just how lazy and fat my tongue is. But it's going to make me a better person because I just listen to this and I just hear my flaws. And then I'm like, oh, work on that. Don't talk like this. Speak clearly. So here we go. This is a, this is more for me. I tell you, I do this for me. This isn't for you. This isn't for the people that listen. This is for me, this podcast. I literally sit on my couch and I watch it and I'm like, was I right? I don't. That's all I care about. I just want to be right. That's it. That's all I care about. This is a selfish act I'm doing here. And I was right about Serial Gone. And I told you that once he eliminated the right hand, Lewis ain't going to have no answer. And it looked a lot like Lewis versus DC. And at that level, he just never has been able to be even competitive at that level. And he has that weird win over Nagano, who Nagano wasn't the Nagano he is today when he fought him. And they were just two guys really afraid of each other's power. The part that I think that we have to get, like you, we should all be getting extremely excited about, was the part where Gon got the finish. And when guys get finishes, if you look at like Manny Pacquiao and you look at the great fighters and the guys that are finishers, and why, you know, they say the last thing to go is your power. I believe that 100%. But it's not just power that knocks people out because there's plenty of guys with a lot of power and they can't put the shot there to finish people. It's precision, it's the timing. And the reason why Manny Pacquiao's knockout rate and stoppage rate has went down over the years is because his precision and timing isn't exactly what it once was. Cyril Gunn had the precision and timing. When this fight, when he had it, he didn't have to go for the finish. He was going to win clearly. He could have just outstruck him, kept a distance, played it safe. But no, he was so confident in his timing and his precision that when he started putting it on, he really put it on. And he was able to put the shots where he needed to. And a lot of people saying that Lewis quit or Lewis, you know, gave in on that thing. He gave in because he's getting hit and we had no answers. And he gave it one last hurrah when Gon was putting it on him to swing for that right hand because that was his best shot going in, was swinging in mid flurry from Gon. Because the time that Gon is able to be hit, and if you look at the Volkov fight, is when he's trying to put it on in a flurry. He is hittable in between that. This happens a lot in MMA is the guys don't mix their offense and defense that great. And sometimes that one arm will lose track of the other while it's punching, whether punching or striking or a kick will leave them open. And that was Lewis's best shot. That's what I said from the beginning. I said he's going to have to allow Gon to get confident in here, and he's going to have to punch in between his strikes. He wasn't able to do that. And the one chance that he had was when Gon was really putting it on him. But Gon, precision, his confidence, all that was just too much at that point. For Derek Lewis to really do anything. It was done. And once he knew that he couldn't land that shot and he was just getting those shots in, it was over. 
And people were saying, oh, it was, what's wrong with Derek Lewis? That was the Derek Lewis, his whole career. That's what he's looked like. That was your fault for expecting something else or thinking he was something else. I told you that he didn't have any skill. I think he's the least skilled person to reach this highest level in any sport. I can't think of another one. The closest thing I could think of is Ricardo Mayorga. That's the next thing I could think of because he is the least skilled person to get to this high of a sport. I don't think there's any other sport where you could tell me that someone did this. The closest thing I could think of is like an NBA, like a seven footer from like a different country gets drafted and just like off the potential, the way that he could amount to something. But that doesn't just because he got there doesn't mean that he gets the level like Derek Lewis who's fighting for a title. Ricardo Mayorga, Ricardo Mayorga, who's fought for a title. But Derek Lewis has no skill. He has no ability. He has no way of setting up his shots. There's nothing. There's really no game plan for when he goes in there. There's nothing. There's nothing I could say like, oh, he worked on that. He doesn't have that. Now, I told you when I was watching the fight going in, I was like, oh, he has, you know, his legs are maybe a little bit more responsive than I thought. But it doesn't matter at this level and the, the level that gone is. It takes more than that. You can't just have this one thing. That guy's going to take that away from you. He's going to take it away from you. And then he's going to be like, what else do you have? So people's being surprised of what the performance looked like. I don't I don't get that because this has been the Derek Lewis. That he's been his whole career. It's exactly what he is. Did you think he was something else? Did you think that he was going to start? You know, that's why, like, sometimes I think people expect it, to gain these skills and these to gain new tricks, new moves, uh, new techniques and bring into a fight. That's not an easy thing to to do. That's why GSP was so special that he brought a new tool, a new tool to every fight that he fought. So it was like, oh, I didn't expect this. I expect him to be like this. That's that's why he's a special fighter. And if you look like Dante Wilder saying like going into the next Fury fight that he's going to bring all these new weapons, it's like I, I find it hard to believe because. These are very hard things to bring in. If you could have done it, you would have done it from back then. Or I would have seen gradual moves to this. Now, if you tell me I'm going to bring in one punch, right? One new thing in my game. But you're going to bring in a whole new game plan? I'm going to bring a whole new repertoire of weapons? I can't buy that. Not in that short time. That's why with Derek Lewis, I had seen everything he was. It's like they say when you want to know who someone is, eliminate his best performance, eliminate his worst performance, and he's that. Everything in the middle. And Derek Lewis's best performance, what he was known for was a Volkov fight. And that was a fight that he was clearly losing. He was getting outstruck. He had no answers. And Volkov slipped up and fell in. And Derek Lewis caught him at the end and knocked him out when he was dead tired, had no energy, didn't really earn the position that he had got in that fight. His worst performance was against DC. No doubt about it. So if he's somewhere in the middle, it's the same guy that we saw. It was exactly what I... What I had said was going to happen. It was exactly what I had seen. Now, you still had to worry about the big right hand, of course. But a lot of people, like I said, when you go in and you bet on these things, if you're just worrying about one big shot, you bet against it. Right? If the one guy's bringing in all these weapons and you're worrying about one big shot, you just have to bet against it. It's a smart bet. It's the right move. Even if you lose, it's the right move. And now we get excited about Gon versus Nagano. Right. And now Dana White raving about how this interim title fight, you know, it builds all the hype and it's perfect. And, you know, no one could have wrote this, that he's going to fight Nagano now. And it, 
there's all this hype there now. Like if he had did this, right? And I think that by the way this played out, just get ready for more interim title fights. I'm just going to say that right now. They're going to treat him like number one contender fights. Because people need the belt. And maybe they're right. Maybe the people, the public does need that. And they can't just have a fight in front of them and they tell them, that, you know, the, the winner of this will go for the title. People need to see, people need to see something shiny. And that's what they're going to give them. They're going to keep giving people something shiny. I think interim title belts are going to happen a lot, a lot more often. But part of it, it's right though. The Gone and Nagano fight has taken all the momentum that John Jones and Nagano had. It took in all of that. And I told you, the the gun is a more of a threat to Nagano than John Jones. I said that before the fight happened. No one was taking that bold of a step. I was telling you what was going to happen after this fight. Now people are saying the gun's the favorite over Nagano. It shifts quickly. I seen it. I seen this all happening. Now, do I think that gun is the favorite of Nagano? I'm not sure. I'm not quite there to say that yet. Now, I think that's pretty close to a 50-50 fight. I think the things that Nagano brings... Is not exactly what Lewis brings now. So I think that that's what's going to happen. Is that people are going to be like, well, look at Lewis. He can land the shot. Why is Nagano going to land the shot? Nagano is way more skilled and has way more uh, different attributes than Lewis brings. So I think we might be going too much the other way now. And we have to reel it back. But that's a huge fight. That is a great fight. And we are in the a great era of heavyweight fights here. We got Tyson Fury, Dante Wilder. You have Joshua versus Usyk. The winners could fight there. You have Now you have Nagano versus Gan. You may have John Jones versus Stipe. The rumors are there. You know, it's starting to build a little bit. It might be in a great era of heavyweight fights. Rare, rare that you get heavyweight fights like this. And rare do you see the UFC with two heavyweights like this. Not since Dos Santos, King Velasquez. Have I been excited for a heavyweight fight like this? Where two guys where I'm like, this is a lot of ability coming in the ring right here. In the cage. A lot of ability. Let's go to the Coleman event. You had Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. I'm going to say Munoz. I think that's the correct presentation. I feel proud. I feel pride when I say it. Munoz. And that fight played out exactly like I told you it was. It was a boxing lesson from Jose Aldo. Now, when fighters get older, yes, their their speed goes down. Their work rate goes down. But it doesn't necessarily always mean they're a worse fighter for it. And sometimes the loss of ability, it's like when someone loses their vision and all their senses get better everywhere else. Sometimes that happens, right? Like Pacquiao right now is the best boxer he's ever been. As I'm saying, like, as like able to like technical boxer, able to win fights on scorecards, able to be defensively sound than he ever was when he was knocking people out. It's just the truth. Because he has to be now. Because he has to use a little more tricks than he ever used before. And Jose Aldo, I'm not saying that he's at the level when Pacquiao was getting older but still smoking people. I know he's not there yet. Because Jose Aldo just lost to Peter Yan. But, saying that, he's sharper than he's ever been in the thing. He's more calm than he's ever been in the cage. Defensively, I think he's better. There's a lot of things I like what I'm seeing from him. And he put a schooling on. That was a lesson. I thought I was a little worried about the scorecard just because Pedro's aggressiveness, but the judges were dead on with this fight. It was a landslide for Jose Aldo. He just picked his shots and he flirted when he needed to. And as the fight 
went on, he got better. And as he needed to put it on more, he put it on more. And I think that he's a legend. I think that he still has a name. I think that you match him correctly. I've been saying Sanhagen. I can see them going away from that because Sanhagen's a tough fight and Sanhagen's coming off a loss. But I think Sanhagen, from what he said, was promised he was still only one fight away from the title shot if he took the Dillashaw fight. And I think they wouldn't mind getting Jose Aldo one last title shot before it's all said and done. A fight with him and Sanhagen would make a lot of sense. And the winner goes fight for the title. And I think that if Algernon Sterling were some way, somehow able to beat Peter Jan, that'd be a better matchup for uh, Aldo. But I still think they'd be very interested in the Peter Jan versus Aldo fight. Especially at that weight class, they they want stars. They want names. That's why Dillashaw's going to get a title shot. I thought he looked very good. I thought that Pedro was never really at that uh, at that level with the top guys. I think that he's more aggressiveness, more uh, um, hunger, more you know work rate. But I don't think he has like the technical skills to really be a top guy. Yeah, Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. And I picked Michael Chiesa in this fight because I thought Luke, even though he's going to be way better than the stand-up, even though he had some ability on the ground, I just thought that Vicente Luque puts himself in bad spots. Every fight, he has a moment where he's in a bad spot. And this did happen in this fight. Now, I was wrong on the outcome, but Luke did end up putting himself in a bad spot. But he was able to defend it, and Chiesa didn't take advantage of the moment he had when he got his back. But he did get a lock on his chin. But what happened, and I didn't really hear anyone say this, right? And maybe connect these two things. When they're standing, right? Luque, in his mind, knows that Chiesa does not want to stand with him. And Chiesa looked very uncomfortable in the stand-up portion of it. And he was wasting a lot of energy in the stand-up. He was moving around circles. And I think that when someone moves like that, you got to understand the energy he's burning. Especially if you're not used to standing up like that and moving around the cage. That's a lot of energy. And if you're not used to moving your legs like that and you don't know, you're not precise and you don't know when you could take breaks from the movement or the little tricks of gaining more space than you need. You might take three steps when someone a little more skilled might just be able to turn an angle and take one step and cover as much space or get out of range the same way. There's little tricks to moving around. So he was moving around a lot. But he ends up throwing a one-two and it lands on Luque, right? And even cuts Luque. And DC said that might be the best one-two he's ever landed in his life. And now, why did that land? It landed because Luque, in his mind, decided, this guy wants to go to the ground. He doesn't want to stand with me. And in that point, in his mind, he eliminated him as a threat. And all he's thinking about is him going to the ground. So he landed the one-two. Chiesa lands the one-two. And in Chiesa's mind, all he's thinking about in his mind is Luke just wants to stand with me. So you have one guy saying this guy's no threat because all he wants to do is go to the ground. And the other guy saying he's no threat on the ground. All he wants to do is stand. And at that point in Chiesa's mind, it creates a thing where he says, whatever I got to do to get this fight to the ground, I'm going to get to the ground because he just wants to stand. This is the part where he's a threat. And in his mind, he eliminates Luke as a threat on the ground. So when they go to the ground and he gets his back and they're, they're rolling in his mind, he says, as long as we're not standing, he's not a threat. See, it's in his mind. In the same way that those two j- shots were able to land by Chiesa because Luke eliminated him as a threat standing up. 
So let his guard down a little bit. She has to let his guard down on the ground, forgetting that Luque is a credible ground fighter. Has credible submission game. It was the same thing that happened. One guy just finished it. Chessa didn't have the power when he landed the 1-2 to finish it. Luque had the skills to finish it when they the slip up on the ground. Very interesting. I knew that Luque, to me, had more ability as an all-around fighter. I thought his mistake would cost him. It didn't cost him this time. But the mistake did happen. He was there. He did give up his back. The, the crank was on his chin. He wasn't able to get it around the neck. He wasn't able to keep it. He wasn't able to secure a body lock. Luke gets out, they scramble, and then he lands a Dars. It's a game of inches, these fights. I still feel like I was correct on my prediction. Now, not on the winner, but on how the fight would play out. Remember, I do this for me. You just got to remember that. Let's get to the boxing, and we had another pretty damn good uh, fight camp. And we, we got we to gotta admit, it's two for two. And maybe, you know, because we're from the States, right? Well, at least I am, right? I don't know where you're listening from. We're not 100% familiar with these fights. But I was familiar with Babic or Wardley and Kid Galahad. I'm familiar with them. But maybe, the, I don't know their opponents, so I assume that, you know, these are going to be one side or not entertaining. These fights are entertaining. Is the Blonde Bomber, it, all of, for the first fight, it, these fights are entertaining. And we go to the Kid Galahad, and I had picked Jazza Dickens. I thought Jazza Dickens' compact aggressiveness was going to put Galahad in some bad situations. Because Galahad, he's more, to me, was a more off-speed fighter. He uses a lot of tricks to create openings to stop someone's offense. Well, what he did was this, is just control the range. And once he controlled the range, Jazza Dickens, Jazza Dickens had really no answer and no solution to get past that one part of the fight. And once he couldn't get past that range, it was just, he was getting picked apart. And even if Kid Galahad doesn't have the most power, right? If you're just getting hit and teed off on whatever power he had, and you're getting all of it at the brunt of it, especially at that range where he's catching at the end of his punches, your face is going to fall apart. It's only a matter of time. And they should have stopped this fight about three rounds earlier. But Jazz Dickens had no answer to get on the inside. He had no answer. He didn't have a leg movement with some head movement to combine. Didn't have a double jab. Didn't didn't have a shot, a counter to be like, okay, if you throw that, I'm going to at least counter and work away. He just didn't have it. And willpower alone wasn't going to do it. Kid Galahad was too good to be beaten just by willpower. And I don't think Jazz Dickens had the, you know, the, Something with the guys that have the willpower, right? Like they have the willpower. They have something that stands out. They have height. They have a you know um, an insane amount of power. They could take an insane amount of punch, right? Like Joe Joyce has takes an insane punch. If he puts pressure on you, it's like it's a lot because you're putting everything on your shots and it's not doing anything to him. Jess Dixon doesn't have that. So when he's getting hit, he's filling the shots and he doesn't hit extremely hard. So even when he lands on you, it's like it's going to take a lot more for him to have an effect to be able to break the well. He didn't have that, and Galahad controlled the range. And I think that Galahad looked very sharp in this fight. And I thought that he was going to look maybe a you know a step slower or something like that. He didn't. He looked very good. I think he's very. I think, like I said, Dazone doesn't have the best guy at that weight. He doesn't have the best guys at that weight, but it has a good majority of the of good guys where they can create their own little environment here, their own little universe, and have very good fights that they could take the. They could take control of the weight class 
just by the entertainment value, the number of guys that at least are in the top able to fight each other. That's what it is here, right? You have like almost like a Marvel, Star Wars, DC universe, right, in boxing. And some guys live in each other's universe and other guys don't. And some guys are like, we could do the crossover here. Or most Sometimes you can't. At that fight, it's going to be real hard to do some crossover fights because there's not a lot of money in these weight classes. So doing a crossover fight with two promotions, it's kind of difficult. But in the DAZN matchroom universe, there's some interesting matchups there. Now, I don't think any of those guys are going to fight Leo Santa Cruz. I don't think any of those guys are going to fight Gary Russell Jr. or Navarrete. But what does PBC have? Gary Russell and, and Leo Santa Cruz, are they ever going to fight? Who knows? What is top rank camp? Navarrete, that's it? So they, they can't fight each other, and the, all the other guys are separated. Well, the zone has about four or five guys that they could just go and round robin it. It's a creating your own universe. That's what boxing is right now. That's what Bellator and Uf- Bellator is trying to do opposite of the UFC. UFC's universe is like the only one that exists. In boxing, there's like four or five universes that exist. And don't think that it's not important that DAZN signs Golden Boy again. Signs him up again because you want to be able to match up Matchroom Fighters and Golden Boy very easily on the same network. You want to be able to do that. Don't sleep on the Golden Boy's roster and how important that is. There was another boxing card and they're standing on this Colossal fight. It's like nothing ever happened. They ended ahead, but uh, Colossal's way past his prime. Stanley Onis is... I mean, I guess they're bringing him along. I think he's a future Javante Davis, Tang Davis fight, uh, you know, opponent. But I don't think that that performance helped him get it. I think they wanted him to be him to be a little more impressive in that performance. And I don't think it's his fault and in a headbutt. But I think they were expecting him to, you know, still a little shine of that. And then they could turn it around for a Tang Davis fight. That's just my theory. That's no sources, no nothing. That's just what I was thinking. On the undercard, though, you had Gabriel. How do you pronounce this guy's name? Maestre versus uh, Mikael Fox. And it was a fight that clearly Fox had won. It was There was no doubt about it. He dropped him early. Um, he schooled him. It was one-sided. There was no um, there was no controversy here. There was no like, well, you know, some rounds were close. There were no close rounds. It was a guy came forward, but he did not land anything. He got schooled. He got, he got hit with solid shots. And they gave it to the guy that didn't do anything, got dropped, and didn't land any shots. And now they look at the judge, and she has some racist tweets. Um, there might be, you know, she might be dating or with one of the guys that runs that bouts uh, sanctioning. It's, you know, like like I said, I don't the bouts I don't care about um, decisions I do care about. But as much as we could cry and scream and everything, no one seems no one seems to have an issue promotion wise right no promoters uh, sometimes Eddie Hearn comes and says that was a horrible decision but no promoter says like hey we need to change this not Al Heyman not Eddie Hearn not De La Hoya not Bob Arum they may cry whine but they don't really make the moves they probably could right with the pool they have to make a system here a change in the system here so it gets a little tiring to say well what are we going to do right or all this and the pbc posted the outcome of this fight and said like oh my straight uh wins a close fight or something like that they didn't say robber they didn't say like you know this guy got screwed over and Mikel fox is not in a situation where he can afford to get a bad decision against him and just keep moving along it's not you know he works hard for these opportunities it was on fox and it was a good opportunity for him against an you know he took a chance against a guy that was supposed to beat him and he won and he should have won and he should affect his paydays it should affect his opportunities going forward but it won't 
And soon, soon we will forget this happened. And then we will think about another controversy that happens or another controversial decision. And it's because the, moder- the water is muddied, right? We don't really know what decision is a decision close. Like if you had the Castano-Charlo fight. And at first I thought, oh, it's a robbery. You screwed him. No. And then I watched it again. I'm like, oh, it was a close fight. And I thought the second time I watched it, Charlo won. Right? So that's the water is muddied there, right? So when a bad decision like this happens... And then the water is muddied on this one, and we never really have a resolution or any answers or how we should judge a fight or who are these judges. All these things, it's just going to disappear like everything else. And until one of the promoters really comes out and says, we need to change this now. We not, Let's stop having fights until this matter is resolved. Until maybe the government gets involved. Until someone gets involved. This is going to continue to happen because it's been happening since I've watched boxing. So it gets tiring to say the same thing over and over and over again. And the same line, cliche line, like boxing being boxing or boxing hurts itself or all these things. Yes, 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 and yes, it does. But no one's doing anything to help it. So now we're just people complaining on Twitter. I don't know what that, that doesn't do any good either. I don't know what the solution is. I've, I've, you know, come up with, I've said ideas, but I don't really, no one really knows what the solution is on that. Let's get to the fake money. Real bets. And I took gain. I took 300K minus 360 to win 139K. That was a good win. We got a lot of fights this weekend. I told you, I'm, I'm, I was down bad. I was, at, I think I'm at like 559 now with 100. So six, you know, somewhere around 690. I still need to double my money for the, end of the year. That's still the goal. If I think a little more aggressive with them, I'll get a little more aggressive with it. But I'm still going to follow my same strategy. And I'm learning as we go along. This is my first year doing it with the bets. And it's a beautiful way. That if you're going to start betting, I suggest you do it this way. If you want to get serious in betting, do it with fake money first. Do some fake bets and learn the system. Get comfortable. Figure out your own thing. That's what I'm doing right here. And I feel like after I get you know of all these bets in and for the year, I'm going to have a better idea of what a you know sound strategy is on how to bet these fights. We were almost at $2 million. I was almost there. I lost it. It's time to work my way back. Thank you guys for listening. It's been the Ezra Podcast featuring Atticus.